grateful to be here. Like Rev said, my name is Adobe Nduka. I am the operations director here at Mill City Church. And truly, it is an honor to be standing at this pulpit. Um, if you are joining us for the first time, welcome. Um, Pastor Donna kicked us off in our new series entitled Advent Hope on the Horizon. And last week, Rev Steph mentioned that in the book of Isaiah, there are three portraits of the Messiah. Uh, first one being Jesus, the righteous king, Jesus, the servant, the second one, and the third one, Jesus, the anointed conqueror. And last week, she preached on Jesus, the righteous king. And this week, my assignment is to preach about Jesus, the servant. And for those of you who might not be familiar with Isaiah, Isaiah was a prophet who uh, spoke on behalf of God to the people of Israel, and his prophecies foreshadowed the coming of Messiah 700 years before Jesus was born. Isn't that crazy? That is mind-blowing. I mean, I can only imagine, like, year 100, people are like, was he even telling the truth? <laughs> year 250. I don't know if this Isaiah guy is the real deal. Year 500. Yeah, he probably lying. <laughs> Listen, we're supposed to test the people now. So, you know, you prophesy, I need to test and see if it's true. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine? And then 700 years later, boom, you know? Now, now he's a great prophet. Okay, you know. I, I just feel sorry for prophets. I just do. I, I, you know, we've got to test you, though. You know, we have trust issues. Amen? Uh, <laughs> All right, so um, I'll be reading um, Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 4. That's where our message will be coming from. And I'll be reading it in the New King James Version. Um, and it will be on, on the screen. And it says, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elected one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastland shall wait for his law. Now the concept of servant is interesting depending on what culture you're from. For those of you that are not familiar with my story, I'm a New York-born Nigerian. That's how I refer myself to. Amen. I was born in Bronx, New York, but raised in Nigeria. And living in Nigeria, we actually have servants. And in our culture, servants typically come from low-income families, and they go and serve well-to-do or wealthy families for a certain period of time. And at the end of the contract, they can decide to either stay longer or be like, okay, you know, my time is up. And for my family, what we do is at the end of each um, contract, we literally send the people off either uh, financial gifts or any tangible gifts that might help them in their journey. And as they serve as well, they also go to school. So it's either they go to training school, depending on their age. Uh, for my family, we have more of teenagers. So we will actually pay for them to go to training school. Um, and they live with us and be part of the family. 
Um, but, you know, reading Isaiah, Isaiah had, uh, is describing Jesus the servant in a different way, in a different form. So as followers of Jesus Christ, I think it will be good for us to read and trying to figure out how Isaiah described this servant named Jesus. And I don't know about you, if you have walked with God long enough, you find out that what, Jesus, what God meant about something might be different from the idea you have in your head. Because um, God will say something to you and you think you know what he meant and you run out and do it and get disappointment. Something doesn't work well or the door slams right in your face and you go back crying back to him saying, I thought you told me. And then he'd be looking at you like, but that's not what I meant, though. You just ran. You didn't ask me questions. You just assumed. You're like, well, you know, it'd be nice for you to just stop me. Come on, somebody. Just stop me. Be like, hey, 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 don't move fast. Come on, sit down. Let me tell you what I mean. No, you just let me go ahead and run over there and look like a daggone fool. <laughs> you know, and I'm here crying. Now you want to tell me, oh, that's not what I meant. I don't know if that's your relationship with him, but that's my relationship with him. Because I'm one of those people, like, I take, I run. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> let's go. Let's do this. What's the next thing? Let's go. You know? But I've learned now to slow down. Amen? I'm like, okay, so Lord, what do you mean by that? I've learned that. So, um, reading Isaiah, we're going to break down and see what Isaiah is talking about. What does he mean by the servant? Um, so, we're going to look at the first verse, the first part of the first verse which says, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elected one in whom my soul delights. Now, mind you, this is 700 years before Jesus is born. And here God the Father is saying, This is my servant whom I uphold. My soul. This is my son that my soul delights. And this is before Jesus even shows up in the world. And God delights in him. And you go to the New Testament where he shows up to be baptized. If you're looking at Matthew uh, 3, verses 16 through 17, he shows up in the uh, uh, River Jordan. John the Baptist there to baptize him. And literally, heaven's open and it says, And suddenly a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this is before he did anything. He says something 700 years ago before he even showed up on earth. He says, my soul delights in him. He shows up to be baptized before he does any miracle, before he heals anybody, before he preaches and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the question I have for us this morning is, do you believe that God delights in you without you even doing anything? Do you believe that? I'm reminded of a prophet, also in the Old Testament. His name is Jeremiah. Young guy, about a teenager. And God was calling him to be a prophet. 
And this is what God said to him. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah is looking at God like, say what? <laughs> Sir, hello? You see my age? I'm a young buck. Who am I to go to this old folk? Talking to them, saying God sent me. You know? And God says to him, do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I sent you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. He picked you and he ordained you. And he delights in you because you are his, before you even did anything. Before your mom and your daddy even met each other, before they even knew each other, before even was a thought, God knew you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he's even pleased with you, regardless of what you've done or not done? We'll continue in this verse, one, verse 1b here. And it says, I put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. And Jesus, after he's baptized, he passes the test in the wilderness, and he's going out preaching. He goes to his hometown, Nazareth. And as custom in the synagogue, he goes in, grabs a straw, and literally opens up to Isaiah 61, verse 1. And it says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. The spirit of God is upon me. Why? To preach good tidings to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, and open prisons for those who are bound. And the question I have for us today is, what is the purpose of the Spirit of God on you? Jesus, before he left the earth, he did say, I am not going to leave you as orphans. However, I'll send a comforter, teacher, teach you all things, to empower you. As a church here at Mill City, we truly believe that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to love our community in the name of Jesus. My question is, how about you as individuals? If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in your heart, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The question now is, for what purpose? We'll go down to verse 4. Isaiah says, He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. In Genesis 3, when the serpent deceived the woman, and the, the woman for eating from the, the tree that God forbade them to eat. God turned to the serpent in Genesis 3.15 and said, And I will put an enmity between you and the woman, 
and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Jesus came to fulfill what the father told the serpent all the way in Genesis. And he did not quit till he fulfilled it. Was it easy? Absolutely not. When you read the story of uh, Garden of Gethsemane, oh, he prayed wanting that cup to pass from him. But he told the father, whatever your will though, I will do. It wasn't easy, but he fulfilled, he fulfilled it to completion. And as I'm re- I've been reading literally and meditating on this four verses, just this four verses, and the word justice keeps popping up. And the impression that I receive from God is the calling, the purpose that he has placed on each and every single one of us is so that we can bring justice to our area of influence that he has placed us in. Jesus came and fulfilled a a, a purpose, which is to restore what Adam lost in the garden. And now we are given the task, if we choose to accept it, it's not forced upon us. And what task that is, is to make sure that Justice is served on earth. Now, I know you're probably wondering, okay, so what does this have to do with the Christmas story? Well, Mary was a teenager, minding her business, living her best life, amen? Engaged, child. Engaged. And uh, life is going good. And all of a sudden, here come an angel. You know, saying, hey, highly favored amongst all women. And tells her that she's been chosen by God to give birth. And she looked at this angel like, sir, (laughs) uh, hello, I don't know no man, you know. How is this going to happen? And the angel says this to her in Luke 1 verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that the Holy One will be to be the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. The Holy Spirit came upon her so that she can give birth to justice. That was her way. That was her calling, her assignment to bring justice in her own life. For me personally, I, um, <laughs> when, you know, when God calls you, and I don't know if this is your experience, but the stuff that he says for, like he is calling you to do, or who he says you are, you tend to be the opposite of what he's saying. I don't know about you, maybe you're good. I mean, I'm talking about Adobe and Duca, okay? I, I'm not talking about y'all. For me personally, I'm like, sir, I know you in heaven and know, but I don't think you seem right. I knows me. 
You know, like, I know me. Like, what are you talking about? He always calls us in the opposite direction. I remember as a young, I mean, young child, man, like, I love and enjoy. I don't know where this came from, but I just love being a mom. That was me. I love um, just doing role plays or being a mom. I remember time and time again, when me and my friends, my siblings, my cousins, we're playing, and if we're gonna do a play, guess who gets to be the, who plays the mom? Me. And I loved it, did it all the time. Even once in a while, I'll be like, okay, you know what? Let's just change this up a bit. Let me do another character. Nope. They're like, no, but you do mom the best. So I'm stuck, you know, I get stuck with that role. I'm like, okay, cool, I'll do it. And growing up, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. And I saw how other women in my family and around her who ridicule her, tease her, don't even give her respect and think that what she, like she was doing nothing but just stay home. And seeing that growing up did something in me. And I didn't realize it till I got married and have children. And I remember when I moved to Minnesota, I did not have a job for about six, seven years. And it was a battle for me. And I remember in 2007 going to God, I will never forget this, and saying to God, like, Lord, I need to find a job. I don't want to stay home. At that time, I had three of my children at that time. I don't want to stay home with three children. I just want to find a job. And as I, I was praying that, it's almost like I can hear the Holy Spirit dig in to ask me, why? And I remember saying, because I saw how my mom was ridiculed, being a stay-at-home mom. She was thought less than. But then I said, you know what, Lord? If this is where you have me right now, is to stay home and take care of these kiddos, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it with joy. And I tell you, I've not been the same woman since. Because I went back to the love I had as a little girl. And I truly enjoy being a mom to my four children. And when I did end up um, working, um, I noticed that every time I come home, I'll be even too tired to you know, speak to them, know what's going on with them. And just recently, about two weeks ago, I went to God and said, okay, Lord, I notice every time I come home, I'm too tired to even engage with my children. Help me, give me the grace, help me to figure this out. And by his grace, man, and thank God for where I work, I'm able to shift and adjust my hours and time so that when I do come home, I come home with energy to know how they're doing, know what's going on, what are they watching. Last night, I just watched a show that my daughter wanted to watch, and we watched together, because she's like, I don't want to watch it by myself. It was fun. I don't remember the name of the characters. I sure don't. It is hard for me to remember them, but I know what they look like. I know their role, so I'll be like, okay, so what do they look like and what did they do? What was their role? And my son yesterday, you know, came to, to my room uh, last, uh, last night, was like, okay, mom, hi, I know I've been in my room for a long while, I've been busy, but I just want to come and know how you're doing, how's your day, how's your week? And I'm like, oh, Jesus, let me 
Listen, my son is 17, y'all. I'm taking all of it. I say, what? You want to talk to me? Yes. And I had the energy and I had the time. And I truly enjoy it. Truly enjoy it. And I don't know about you if you're here and perhaps, man, like you have a desire or God has literally spoken to you, but you just like, child, mm -mm, that is not me. And I do want to pose four questions for your consideration this morning. First one is, do you believe God knows who you are? Do you believe that? Who does God say you are? Not your insecurities, not your family, not your faults. Who does God say you are? And do you believe him? If you're like me, where you fighting him? Telling him that he's crazy. <laughs> do you believe him? And then the final question is, what kind of justice has God anointed you for? Why did God let the Holy Spirit dwell in us and come upon us? What injustices out there that God has anointed you to bring justice to? Maybe for some of you here, maybe whatever it is that you're sensing God is calling you to, you feel like it's insignificant or perhaps not important or not the big thing on stage. Or some of you, perhaps you're afraid to step into that because you think you're going to be ridiculed, you're going to be judged, or perhaps ostracized from friends, from family. My prayer for you today is that you step into that nevertheless. I honestly believe it's more painful to live a life pretending to be somebody else than to live a life that is authentically you. There's something freeing about that. Let us pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you knew us before we even showed up on earth. Thank you for being pleased with us before we do anything on this earth. Heavenly Father, we ask that you give us the eyes to see who you have called us to be. Give us the ear to listen for where you are sending us to and how to be who you have called us to be. And Father God, I am praying in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, to give us the heart to understand and receive that you love us. You love us. You delight in us. You are pleased with us, regardless of what we have done or not done. Help us to understand that. Help us to receive that. Because, Lord God, to be honest, it's hard to believe 
that someone loves us unconditionally. For some of us, it is hard for us to even love ourselves unconditionally. Lord, help us. We cannot do it without your Holy Spirit. Open up our hearts so we can receive. Help us to bring our broken places, our insecurities, our hurt, and our pain to you so you can heal our heart, so we can stand in confidence that if you are for us, my God, who can be against us? And let us walk and do justice as you have called us to do. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen.